Welcome to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. This is the show where newcomers and professionals alike come to learn more about stage lighting. And now your host, David Henry. All right. Hey, everybody. This is David, and this is the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. Thank you uh, so much for listening this week to the podcast. As always, uh, we're going to dive into some insightful and enjoyable lighting topics, and I'm glad to have you along for the ride. Now, if you can do me a huge favor, if if you've been listening to this podcast for more than, let's say, two episodes, and I know there's a number of you out here that have, please go ahead over to iTunes or to Stitcher Radio, wherever you listen to it, or both, and, and leave this show a rating and just a quick review, just a couple words, a, a short sentence that just lets people know about the show so that we can continue to grow this thing and uh, help people hear about the Learn Stage Lighting podcast. So we want to share, of course, the word that we're you know, working hard here to, to teach people about lighting through the podcast. And so if you've enjoyed this, go just pause this podcast, take a minute, quick sentence, put that review in there, make it honest, and I'd love to read it. Thank you so very much for doing that. So today's main topic is on spot fixtures. And so in our last episode, we kind of went on a brief tour of wash fixtures and and the various wash fixtures, what they do and what kind of light they produce and what they're good for. And in this episode, we're going to do the same for spot fixtures. But first, let's hit some lighting news. This week is a, uh, a big week overall in lighting news. It is the Pro Light and Sound Conference um, over there in Germany. It's in Frankfurt. And, and that's pretty exciting stuff. A lot of companies are uh, putting out some various new products. And I'm watching this week to, to see if there's anything uh, really exciting to share with you. And so, you know, a few things we've seen is um, the Grand MA3 has officially come out. So this is um, a high-end professional lighting console that a lot of people like and a lot of people use. And I like it. It's a great console. It's very expensive, but it's a wonderful console. And... Um, the Grand MA2 was the reigning uh, king, was the reigning model that they had there. Now they've brought in the 3, and the 3 is the latest um, and greatest. And so it's pretty exciting. Um, check it out if you're interested in something like that. Other than that, um, you know, my friends at Entech have put out some new great weather-rated outdoor stuff um, for their Pixel Control products. And, you know, I've seen a variety of other new products, and so I'll be looking um, throughout the rest of this week and next week to see if there's anything else that I'm going to share with you guys um, that I think would be really interesting to you. So be ready for that. Now, let's dive into our main segment, spot fixtures. So spot fixtures in lighting are the fixtures that we use when we want a hard-edged light on the stage. And a hard-edged light is going to give us two things. One is that it's going to be harsh on the skin per se it's going to be um very a very hard light that casts hard shadows on people but on the other hand it's also going to be very easy to be able to have a defined edge on that light so if you need to keep that light off of a certain part of stage if you need to keep it on a certain part of stage when you're working with a hard edge with a spotlight it's very easy to put the light in the right place the second thing that is important about a sharp edge light is that they allow you to use something called gobos. 
or patterns that you can put inside of a light. And these patterns allow you to, you know, put the pattern in the light and then you're going to see the pattern on the stage. It's going to be output in the beam of the light. And these gobos look really cool. And so those are the, the two main things you want to know about spotlights. And the most popular, probably the most common spotlight besides moving head spots that you're going to see out there is the ellipsoidal reflector spotlight. Also often known as an ellipsoidal, often known as a Leco. Um, there's a lot of options, a lot of different things you can call them, but the, the light output is the same. And the most popular um, Leco out there is the Source 4 made by a company called ETC. And it's a great light. It's a light that when it came out in the early 90s, I believe, basically reinvented Leco's because it took what was already around, an ellipsoidal spotlight, good light, and made it extraordinary. Less power, more brightness, easier to touch, you know, cool to the touch where you need to touch it, etc. Really great light. And the other great thing about Leco's is not only does it have that hard edge, it often has um, changeable barrels so you can get different lens sizes for the distance you need to shoot and the size of light you need. You're able to put gobos in it. And Alico has shutters, which enables you to be able to crop the light on or off certain parts of the stage, just like a crop tool would be, you know, if you're editing a photo. And, and so these are great, and these are really workhorses in a lot of markets for a lot of people, whether you're lighting a church stage, a theater, a corporate show. These are really popular lights for lighting various parts of these stages, and they're, they're just great to have around. They're not the most soft and beautiful light, but the reason they get chosen a lot is they're easy to be able to crop on or off of certain areas of stage. Now, besides ellipsoidals, another light you may want to know about when you're thinking about spot fixtures is follow spots. Now, a follow spot is just like it sounds. It's that spotlight you might see at an arena show or a theater play where there's an operator behind it and they're using the spot to follow someone who's on the stage. Hence the word follow spot. Pretty simple, right? And follow spots are pretty similar to Leco's in a lot of ways. They tend to not have shutters, though sometimes you literally use a Leco as a follow spot, but they have that hard edge. You can put colors in them. Um, you could even maybe put gobos in them. I think you can. And uh, it's more of a, uh, that's more of a do-it-yourself thing. And, you know, they're just really great for those times where you need to have manual control of a light, you put an operator up there, and you get a nice sharp spotlight on whatever you're trying to light. Now, also in the spot fixtures category, sometimes, is the pin spot. And the pin spot is a little bit more of a beam light, where it gives you a really hard edge, really tight beam. And we're going to talk about beam lights in a minute, but first, moving head spots. And so, moving head spots are similar to other kinds of spotlights, except they move. And so a moving head spot may have a variety of different features that we've already talked about in this section, such as shutters, such as gobos, um, and a, what they call a gobo wheel, color swatches, and possibly color mixing, prisms, frost, focus, all kinds of great things. Zoom. Moving head spots can have any variety of these things. And so when you're looking at them, you, you need to ask yourself, okay, what do I need? And Will this particular light meet all my needs and have all the features that I'm going to want? Now, 
on the topic of beam fixtures, which are almost a subset of spot fixtures, so I want to cover them today. You have pin spots, like we talked about, and moving head beam lights. The great thing about beam lights is they look amazing in haze when you've got atmosphere in the air, but they also tend to look really good when you don't have any haze in the air. And so this is a big bonus out of there because you're able to, even if there's not haze in the room, see at least some kind of beam in the air. And if you do have even just a little bit of haze in the room or atmosphere, you're able to see a real clear, really great, bright beam. And that's what these things are good for because you can use a lower wattage, a less bright light source in a beam fixture, and it's still going to cut through your stage wash and everything else that's happening out there. Meaning that for a low cost, you can get something that can cut through the rest of your lighting rig and you're not going to break the bank doing it. So that's really all I've got on spot fixtures and beam fixtures. I admit, you know, the last episode was a good bit longer just talking about wash fixtures because there's a lot to be said about wash fixtures. But spots, well, they're still an important tool and something I use constantly in my work as a lighting designer. They're just simply not as complicated per se. They've got their features, you can use them, and they're really great at what they're good at, which is keeping light on and off of objects that you want to keep light on or off of very precisely and projecting patterns. So with that, let's dive into our mailbag. Today we've got a few pieces of mail, and uh, if you guys aren't familiar with this, uh, or maybe you've uh, never listened to this part of the podcast before, the mailbag is where I simply have copied and pasted throughout the week some emails people have sent me uh, to learnstagelighting.com slash contact. You go there, fill out the contact form, and on the podcast, I answer the emails. So I literally am looking at the emails. I had skimmed them when I copied and pasted them into my text document, and now I'm just looking at them, reading through them, and uh, answering them live and on the fly. And this is really for, for two purposes. One, it allows you to see my thought process um, so that you're able to not only get the answer, but see how I got to the answer. Because often that's just as important. Being able to think through lighting, like I think through lighting, like a lighting designer thinks through lighting, uh, can help you make better decisions in your lighting. So that's really the big reason why I do that. I think I said there's two reasons why I do that, but there's one. Um, and, and it's, it's really at the end of the day to, to help you and to help you think through things. So Destiny wrote in and said she wants to learn everything and anything, anything and everything about stage lighting. Um, she's a student, I think, and uh, volunteered for a convention in Seattle this last year and was able to assist someone who works for Christie Lights, which those of you who aren't familiar, that's a uh, Canadian-based company, I believe. But they're worldwide, who uh, is a production company. They, they do lighting. Great company. And... She caught the bug, the lighting bug that I was talking about, and she signed up for some college courses in the summer and maybe wants to turn it into a career. So how can I help her turn her passion that she's found of lighting into a career? Um, she's downloaded the Vectorworks viewer um, and wants to learn drafting and programming and all that jazz. So Destiny, there's a lot of different ways to get into lighting as a career. And so here is my recommendation to you because there's there's really so many different ways to get into lighting. There's college, there's theater, there's 
uh, production companies, there's live music, there's working for an artist directly, there's being an independent designer. There's so many different things you can do in the lighting world. And so I would step back for a minute, and I know you're busy, everybody's busy, but just see what you can learn about different lighting. Figure out what kind of lighting you want to do. Do you want to be somebody who, you know, does conventions a lot? That's honestly what a lot of my work as a lighting designer in the past few years has been, is, is lighting conventions, and, and it's a great way to make a living. You know, it's something I'm really happy in. Or do you want to be in the theater? Or do you want to light bands? Or do you want to light in the church world? Do you want to do installs? So there's a lot of different options out there as to particular niches you can kind of fall into. And while you don't totally have to, you know, pick one, when you're first starting, you definitely want to zero in on, on one of those things and figure out um, how to do that. And so here are my thoughts. Go ahead, and, and here's kind of how I narrowed it down to when I was younger and I was trying to figure this out. Go ahead and find someone who's doing what you think you want to do, okay? You know, volunteer more maybe at uh, some religious conventions, I'm guessing it probably was, or, you know, work at a church or something like that in your free time. Again, I know you may not have one. And see if you can find somebody who is doing what you're doing, even just, you know, finding people on the internet, you know, going in lighting groups and, and just asking for advice, you know, and see if you can find somebody in your local area who's doing what you're doing. Ask if you can join them, you know, help them for a day for free and just see if that kind of seems like the thing you'd want to do. And then ask that person, how can you take this to the next level? How can you do what they do? And they'll help you figure out the particulars. Um, often in this industry, you may not even, you may need to go to college. You may not, depending on exactly what you want to do with yourself. I think um, with the professionals I work with, it's a bit of a mixed bag. You know, some have and some haven't gone to college and that's okay. Uh, and so you, you just, it's really about, you know, figuring out that trajectory, figuring out what specifically you want to do. And then from there, finding somebody and asking them how to do it. And so I hope that doesn't sound too simplistic, but I think it's really a method that works well. So Sandy wrote in and said, can an LED par um, be dimmed or do I need it to come up on my DMX controller? So Sandy, this is going to be a quick answer, but um, an LED has the dimmer, an LED par can, typical, col typical color changing LED par, something similar to that, is not going to be plugged into a dimmer. It has its own onboard dimmer, which is controlled by DMX, which is how lighting works. Um, and so normally... With old school conventional lights, you would have them on a dimmer, which was operated by DMX. With LEDs, the dimmer is built in. So don't put an LED that has, you know, that's a color mixing LED on a dimmer. You'll quickly destroy the power supply. Rather, plug in DMX to it, plug it into wall power, and then you'll be able to control it on your DMX controller. Tom wrote in and said, what software do I recommend that is easy for church volunteers while also able to control about eight moving heads, 20 LEDs, um, two spots, and 16 house lights? Thanks in advance. Okay, Tom. So this is, of course, a loaded question. Why is this a loaded question? Because when people... I, I, I talk to a lot of people about lighting, especially about consoles. And so I, I hear a lot of different things. And what 
when one console might be simple for some person at some church, somebody at another church may think it's way too complex. And so it's hard to make a blanket statement, but I'm going to make one here. One console that I really like, that I've really come to enjoy, that I've had for about a month on my desk here, is the new LightShark console. And what makes the LightShark unique, what's cool about this, is instead of installing a software on your computer, you know, like other things in this price range, you actually buy a little console, a little computer from them that runs the software. Then on a computer or a tablet, you dial into that, you go to the web address on it, you connect via its own network, and you're able to control the lighting console. And LightShark has done something really cool. Not only do they make it so that it's really reliable, so that if anything happens to your computer, your tablet, whatever, the console keeps running, but they've also really, I think, better than any other software I've used, struck the balance of simplicity, but the ability to do some fairly complex things. So is LightShark a professional level lighting console? No. Is it an entry level hard to use, you know, point and click on a computer, slow, buggy console? No. It's, it's really the best of both worlds. And I think they've done a really amazing job. So I go online, watch the videos, um, you know, that they've put out there. They put out a couple of videos and, um, if rumor has it right, someone I know very closely, um, is producing some new videos for them and, and go check out the console because it's, it's a really cool console. And I think it, it might be the answer to your needs. You, you can do complex things with it and there is a learning curve to it, but it's pretty easy to pick up quick and it's a, they've built the software in a way that's pretty forgiving if you mess things up. So check that one out, Tom. I think that's a good pick for you. All right, everybody. That ends a little bit shorter episode of the podcast today, but hey, no problem with that. I hope you enjoyed today's content and uh, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode of the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. So if you are new to this podcast or if you've been around a while, if you could do a favor, like I said at the top of the show, just leave that quick rating and review in iTunes or Stitcher or both. That would be a huge help. Thank you so much and have a great week. And that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening to the Learn Stage Lighting podcast. Be sure to visit us at learnstagelighting.com to see show notes, past episodes, and download a free guide on how to begin with lighting in your specific context. I'll see you guys on the site. Thanks. Thanks.